And now it's time for something completely different. The last interview I wanted to share with you comes from the show Close Encounters, UFOs in American History. In it, historian Stephen C. Finley explains a unique, though little-known, UFO tradition. This is one of those segments I almost always talk about when people ask me, what exactly do you do on Backstory? Now, I love this segment because it's a great example of how Black knowledge and Black futurism represent an important and little-known expression of sci-fi culture in post-World War II America. You can hear the energy between us as we talk about the larger question of UFOs and their existence and really pose big questions about evidence, archive, and how we know what we think we know. Ed, Brian, citizens of the universe, recording angels, we have returned to claim the pyramids, partying on the mothership. Party on, Nathan. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Those are actually the lyrics from a 1975 Parliament concept album, Mothership Connection. And according to our next guest, it had some heavenly inspiration. George Clinton said that that he and Bootsy Collins were on the way from from a concert when they encountered what he describes as a UFO. This is Louisiana State University scholar Stephen Finley. When they were brought back to themselves, it was several hours later, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and their watches weren't working, right? They, mm-hmm. were, they, were, they were stuck a few hours early. And knowing that, that he and Bootsy Collins are musicians, George Clinton is, is really clear to note that they were not drinking and they were not <laughs> under the influence of substances, right? And he's really clear right. about that because he's right. serious about this and he right. wants to be taken seriously. Clinton isn't the only famous black musician to describe this kind of experience. Charlemagne the God, Prodigy, and poet and jazz musician Sun Ra claim to have had close encounters as well. Uh, Sun Ra also claims to have uh, made sort of a trip uh, to have been taken somewhere, which for him was near Saturn. Uh, For uh, Sun Ra, black people are part of this angel race, um, which which is cosmic. As with many of these groups, uh, blackness sort of is the the originary uh, state uh, of of the universe. Finley says this idea of cosmic blackness is not just found in celebrity narratives. Texas-based twin sisters, Erlene and Sherlene Wallace, describe being taken in the 1990s by friendly aliens called galactics. But when you get them to describe the galactics, they say that the Galactics appear to them as beautiful black women. He says these stories collectively form a distinct and separate African-American UFO experience, one that's often left out of mainstream ufology, or the study of UFOs. Now, most of the narratives share similarities. They're often tied to religion and spirituality, the aliens are usually black, and evoke Africa or a symbolic homeland. There are certain things that I see that show up in the Mm -hmm. narratives Mm -hmm. of African-Americans who have claimed to have had UFO experiences or what others might call abductions, including not using terms like abduction. That's not an African-American UFO tradition (laughs) term, for example. So what are some of the component parts of those narratives? If they're not talking about abductions, for instance, what are some of the Mm -hmm. words that they are using? So for Erlene and Sherlene, i.e. the UFO twins, they use the term trip, and they mean that in a positive way. Hmm. Because in the African-American UFO tradition, these accounts are not seen as adversarial or terrifying. In fact, they're almost universally described as friendly. 
Mm-hmm. And that's one of the primary differences between the African-American accounts and the white ones, which are always, almost always terrifying, right? Mm-hmm. The um, scenes of uh, uh, abduction and— Experimentation. Uh, experimentation, right? Mm-hmm. Sexual surgeries, all those mm-hmm. kind of things. You don't find mm-hmm. those in, in the black accounts. Now, I have to ask this. Is that perhaps because the African-American tradition also includes— Actual abductions, mass abductions, experimentations, certainly, you know, violations of one's sexual autonomy by way of the Middle Passage and the slave trade. Is it your sense that these narratives about unidentified flying objects are, in a way, a Uh departure from what's already a set of dominant themes within African-American history? Mm -hmm. You're making the same connection that some scholars, uh, including myself, make. Mm Mm-hmm. Think about Africa uh, during the slave trade, and all of a sudden, you know, here come these these beings from these ships who have come across the ocean, and all of a sudden, they capture you and whisk you away mm-hmm. to a new land where you become the alien other. And so it, it could be that that's one of the reasons why these narratives get ex- described the way they do. But, but the other reason is, is because these UFO traditions are also closely related to black supernatural traditions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For African-Americans, generally, the supernatural isn't spooky, right? Ancestors hang around. They help us. They participate and break into, you know, this reality in sort of a regular way. So it's possible then that what you have are a set of ideas about paranormal activity that African-Americans, that African-descended people, certainly different peoples on the continent itself, already have a language for describing. And that by the time you get to the 20th century, the language about UFOs becomes part of that tradition? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, yeah, that's part of part of what I'm suggesting. I mean, this is, this is how traditionally African-Americans and Africans engage the world. I mean, the supernatural isn't something so wholly other and spooky. It's a mm-hmm. part of the sort of natural metaphysics. I mean, it is part of the real world, mm-hmm. right? And so there's not this, again, to use the term holy other, that the supernatural right. is this, this, this realm that's so distinctly different from this one. It's all part of the world in which we live. Well, give me an example of an early account of an African-American encounter with the UFO. Well, what I'll give you is what I think is the most famous one. Mm -hmm. So the Nation of Islam starts around 1930. Um, It's unclear that they're talking about UFOs that early, but by the early 1950s, they clearly are. Mm -hmm. One of the ways then that UFOs show up in uh, one of the present iterations of the the Nation of Islam under uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan is that on September 17th, 1985, he claims to have been taken into what he calls the mother wheel. It's an unidentified flying object. And those are his words. This vehicle came, came down, and there were three lights from it, and took him into uh, that particular vehicle, where he says he encountered his former leader, Elijah Muhammad, mm-hmm. inside the craft. And so that account is really important for the Nation of Islam. Mm -hmm. One cannot properly understand the Nation of Islam without giving serious theoretical attention to the role that UFOs play in in the religion. 
And part of the power of these narratives is that they're actually based in religious texts and holy texts, correct? That it's not it's not just about science fiction literature or even, you know, Cold War era science fiction television, but that there is actually a biblical basis for many of these narratives that African Americans are sharing. There, there is, but I also think it's all of that. Uh, mm. I also do think that it's um it's science, it's science fiction, it's biblical texts, and then I would say that they're either used to sort of inaugurate what I call a sense of transcendent blackness or to deconstruct notions of race. Right, right. Now, now this is really an important point because so much of what in the mainstream society gives blackness meaning is, of course, people of African descent encounter with the institution of slavery, with Jim Crow, with different forms of racism, that there's a relationship between the way that African-Americans form their identities as human beings and as communities and Mm -hmm. the realities of discrimination. And by using the phrase transcendent blackness, you're actually talking about a kind of blackness that derives its meaning outside of the parameters of white racism. Is that correct? You got it. I mean, I don't even have to explain it. You've you've clearly said it. And so it seems to me that part of why that's so significant is because the world is seen as so completely and almost totalizingly anti-black that that the Mm. structures here cannot support anything but but anti-blackness. And so what do they do? They look out into the heavens to give them a sense of meaning in the concrete world, Mm. right, in a way that allows them to re-envision who they are, to, to empower themselves in a world that they see as, as against them, as, as negating, as anti-black, and so on. So it's all about this world. But the other world and the imagination and the narratives and the symbols gives them the strength and power to live in this world. Stephen C. Finley is a religious scholar in African and African-American studies at Louisiana State University. 